Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit destinydayton.com. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 11, verse 8. We're just going to have a tad of overlap here, but I want to get these verses about Abraham in as much as we can, the, the ones that are specific to where we're going to be at. So we're going to read Hebrews 11, 8 through 16. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go up to a place he would later receive as an inheritance. And he went out without understanding where he was going. Anyone ever feel that way? <laughs> he went out without understanding where he was going, but he was going. By faith, he lived as a foreigner in the promised land as though it were a foreign country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who were his fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with firm foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even though Sarah herself was barren and he was too old, he received the ability to procreate because he regarded the one who had given the promise to be trustworthy. That's a really strong line right there. If you have a Bible you like to underline or even highlight, I do both. I highlight my electronic Bible and I'll underline because I figure someday when I die, right, this sounds maybe a little morbid, but don't let it be. I'm just thinking legacy. I want my children to come back to my Bibles and see things underlined and notes written down. I want them to have a Bible of somebody who used it, right? Uh, this is a sidebar. I've got my, my grandma's Bible and my great-grandma's Bible, actually. Now, I'll tell you how faith-building is to go into their Bibles and see the worn-out pages and the things underlined. I think, what a powerful lady. And I thought I was the only one, like, thinking this way. And then a friend of mine, some of you know Tim Enlow, said he's, at, he's got three, three children, so he's actually working out of three Bibles. So he said, someday when I'm gone, each one of my sons will get a Bible, and, and they will see everything I, I made notes of, I underlined. I thought, what a great idea. So underline this i said all that to say that's something you 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 want to underline because it's a key key here he regarded the one who had given the promise to be trustworthy we're going to unpack that in just a second so in fact children were fathered by one man and this one as good as dead like the number of stars in the sky like the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore quoting from the old testament these all died in faith without receiving the things promised but they saw them in the distance and welcomed them and acknowledged that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For those who speak in such a way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. In fact, if they had been thinking of the land that they had left, they would have had plenty of opportunity. I added the word plenty. They would have had opportunity to return. And that's another one to underline. If they had been thinking about where they had been, it would have been really easy. In fact, it says they'd have had opportunity to return. Keep that in mind here this morning as well. But as it is, they aspire to a better land that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. And you say, well, didn't Abraham receive his promise? Yes, he did. But remember, his promise was to be a father of nations. Okay, he had one son. <laughs> so he received like a, 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 a payment of the promise. So that's what it means. He, he didn't get to see the nations from this perspective on this rock we live on uh, he sees it in heaven obviously but he's that's why he didn't receive the promise he received the promise of of isaac but he the, the the larger promise he had to wait on lord jesus i thank you so much for the power of your word and as we dive in this today god we pray that you would just 
cause us to grow in faith. Lay your hand on your heart right now and say, Jesus, I just ask you would cause me just to grow in faith today. Come on, just tell them out loud, out loud. Jesus, help me to grow in faith today. I don't care how old, how young, doesn't matter, God. I want to be strong in you, Lord. As long as there's breath in my lungs, as long, come on, as long as there's breath in my lungs, my friend, God's got a purpose for you. God's got a plan for you. He's got a reason for you being on this earth. And Lord Jesus, we pray that we would live strong. Come on, I ain't going to let a bicyclist steal that phrase from the kingdom. We're going to live strong in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, we described faith as living and active. If uh, you didn't get a chance to hear last week or you weren't, uh, by, uh, by happenstance, were here yeah, last week, I would encourage you to go to YouTube and uh, watch the message from last week. But we reiterated a couple of things that, you know, faith is living and active. It's not just believing in God. It's, it's believing God that causes an action to happen on our part. And today I want to focus on a different aspect of what faith is. And I just can't go fast through Hebrews 11 because there's so much here. And really to, really, to get the full gist of Hebrews 11, you really have to go back to the Old Testament. You have to go back to where the people they're talking about in this story, here in this chapter. You need to go back and look at their lives because it brings a lot of clarity to what the writer of Hebrews is saying. So an important thing to ask with that in mind is, how did the people in the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11, how did they make the cut? You ever wondered that? How did they make, of all the people we could have chose or could have been chosen from Hebrews 11, how did the list that got there get there, right? How did they make the cut? Thinking, that's a good, that is a good question. And when you look at the people on this list, can I, can I tell you a couple things that stand out? Number one, they all suffered. Maybe the exception of one. Enoch, we don't know a whole lot about. Very little is written on him. He walked with God, and then he was gone. <laughs> wow. I mean, either he lived a remarkable life, or I don't know what happened, but he walked so close with the Lord, he was you know, translated, which meant he was whoop, like Elijah. He was taken up. But other than him, every single other person that's talked about in Hebrews 11 is somebody who suffered. I know that'll just take the shout right out of you right there. That wasn't what I was wanting to hear, Pastor. If I have great faith, I'm going to have to suffer. <laughs> Something else that jumps out at me is I'd like to tell you today, and this is, just, this is just right there to see, that the people on this list aren't morally perfect either. In fact, far from it. In fact, if some of these people were your pastor, you would have left the church a long time ago. They would have lost their credentials. They'd be out of the ministry today. I won't go into details. You can find that in the Old Testament. <laughs> Everything they did. But I want to tell you, these people were quite ordinary. They were quite morally flawed. Now, that, that can challenge our theology sometimes, but it's, and again, this is not saying it's okay to live that way. It's not okay to, to, you know, to live impure whatsoever, and I think we've made it clear and quite clear, and Scripture is quite clear. If you've encountered Christ, uh, you know, living pure and, and the power to live in holiness is, is part of the power that Jesus gives us, but we want to understand that it is worth noting that our faith and our salvation is not based on our moral perfection 
or doing enough good works. People think, well, I get to, I've heard people say this, man, you have too. And I get to the end of my life if I've done enough good works and if I've done enough good things and I've done them morally pure enough. And, if I, you know, and then we get into the comparison game to justify ourselves. Well, I'm better than someone. Oh, that guy I work with down the aisle there on that machine over there and that office over there. Man, you ought to hear what he does. I'm way better than him. Right, and our culture suffers from that. You know, it's the whataboutism. It's like, oh, they're, what about them? They're worse than me. And we have a way of doing that to try to do what? Justify ourselves because we want to make ourselves look good. But understand, salvation, our faith, is not based on our moral perfection because every one of us would be doomed. Everyone. Anyway, I don't, you know, I'm, I've been pretty good, Pastor. Oh, can, can I just break it down for you? If you've done one sin in your life, you've already you've done too much. Okay, I heard that door slam right there. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm with you now. I'm with you now, Pastor. But what it is based on, my friends, and what we are seeing here in chapter 11, it ties us back to what the author of Hebrews said in chapter 10 about our confidence in Christ. Our confidence and our salvation and our faith is found in the work and the person of Jesus Christ. He is the reason we can be confident. He is the reason that we allow the Lord to grow our faith. Because the reality is here in chapter 11, the people that are included in here are in here because, I'm going to give you two words, they had believing loyalty. Everyone say believing loyalty. Say that again. That's beautiful. Believing loyalty. They had believing loyalty in Christ, listen, that caused them to never stop worshiping or serving God or start worshiping other gods. I say believing loyalty because at no time did they drift away and decide not to serve God. At no time none of these people drifted away and said, we're going to serve no God. And see, here's another trait that humans have. We want to debate what we call drifting away or quitting. But you and I both know what it means to give up on God and stop serving the Lord. You know what that means. And all we try to do is sometimes I think people try to justify, well, I didn't really give up. I always kind of believe, you know, haven't been to church in 10 years. Well, you gave up. Let's call it what it is. We go faster forward a lot faster when we just call things what they are. Right? But these in chapter 11, no matter what went on in their life, they maintained this believing loyalty. They didn't change theology when things got tough. They didn't say, well, you know what, maybe we'll start doing, you know. No, 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 no. They continued to worship the Lord. They never gave up. They never quit. They never stopped worshiping the Lord. Even though things went sideways for some of them, even though they weren't morally perfect, they did some pretty awful things at times. But the bottom line is, they were found somewhere where they had repentance in their heart and they continued to go after God. Is this making sense today? And this is so important and key in understanding both our salvation and what it means to have faith. Because the statement, salvation doesn't cost you anything, is completely false. Salvation is not free. How many of you know that? Now, it can't be bought with money but it will cost you your entire life and specifically a surrendered life and let me say this a believing loyalty 
a believing loyalty in what Jesus Christ has done. And these in chapter 11 had something in common. They had this believing loyalty. They, they endured suffering. And so this is another important part of faith that, that, that you know, all hell, and you see this, you see this in Hebrews 11, all these, all these folks mentioned, they all at various times had, had what seemed like hell come against them. All hell broke loose in their lives. Things didn't go as they planned. Things didn't happen like they wanted to. Things happened that they never planned or desired. And yet, here they were, still worshiping God. See, that's a great question for you and I today as we look at this chapter is, where is our believing loyalty today? Do we have believing loyalty in the Lord? I, 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 I know that's mostly us. But it's a great question to ask ourselves. The worst case scenario, things didn't plan like go like I planned, and, and here I am, I'm still believing God, I'm still putting Him first. This is what God wants from us, because remember what I said at the very beginning, what does God want from us ultimately at the end of the day? He wants us to truly believe Him. It turns out that no other God before me statement back in Exodus, still a thing. It's still a thing. And anything that we put as a priority of the one true God, my friend, is another God. I think sometimes I think, well, I don't have any other gods. Well, yeah, we don't have to worship Baal or Satan to have another God. You can worship sports. You can worship a relationship. You can, you, you, you with me? There's a lot of things you can create as a God. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, I believe, he, he speaking of people that are in the world, he said their God is their belly, right? Which is basically carnal desires, fleshly desires that they just let ruin them, fleshly appetites. So loyalty to another God can be looked at as something that drives us in life. What drives us, right? If you have believing loyalty to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, what he says is going to drive us. What he says is going to inform our opinions. What he says is going to inform our worldview. What he says, right, what the Holy Spirit speaks in us, it's going to, it's going to have a definite driving a force and impact on everything we do and say in this life. So, here in this passage, I want us to see what is further built on when it comes to faith. And I want you to see uh, clearly here, because we, we read this initially in verse 8, 9, and 10, that Abraham left his familiar homeland, and he went to where he didn't know where he was going. Right? Did You, you caught that. Right? I want you to see that one of the first aspects of faith that God is put inside of us and he asks us to walk in is understanding that faith means looking forward instead of backwards. If you want to move forward, my friends, you cannot look backwards. I believe, in fact, the reason some go back to their old lives and their old failures is that they ultimately failed to, to look forward in their life in Christ. They ultimately failed to really believe God and they kept revisiting their past failures to the point that it caused them to live defeated and they ended up thinking like the Israelites did when they got out and things got tough in the desert. Well, I might as well go back to Egypt. At least back in Egypt we had dot, dot, dot. 
Here God had freed them from bondage, from 400 years of slavery, and they they were going to their homeland, and they hit a little turbulent time, right? They had a little bump in the road, and immediately they started looking back. And if it weren't for the leadership of Moses and some of the men of God and elders that were leading, probably a portion of the people would have tried to go back to Egypt, even after they saw the Red Sea open, even after they saw Pharaoh's army get swallowed up. They were ready to go back to their old life. You see, I want to tell you it's really important as we live for God that we never look back at our past. If you ever look back at it, it's only a hat tip to say, glory to God that I ain't like that anymore. Pardon my English, but you know what I mean. That's the only time we look back. Because I want to tell you, if you look back, you're going to start dwelling on old hurts. You're going to go down the rabbit hole. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And you're going to start thinking about how your old failures and your old mess ups. And you're going to say, and then all of a sudden, it's going to start messing with your mind. And before long, you won't be able to move forward in God because you're focused on what used to be. You see, when we come to Christ and as we live in Christ, please understand it is always a forward thing. We got to always look forward. I, I, I tell you what, we, we, we have these things sometimes that we can't seem to get past. I don't know if you've, if you've experienced that in your life, but you know, we're trying to grow. We're trying to go forward. But there's like some things that we can't get past. And these things are kind of holding us up. And it may be something from your past. It may be something that you don't have victory over yet. But I want to tell you, whatever it is in your life that you're not changing, you are choosing. Let me say it this way. Whatever you're not surrendering to Christ, you are swearing allegiance to. been super easy for Abraham to say, you know what, I'm, this is my familiarity here. This is my homeland. This is how I was raised. This is how I've always been taught, right? I've heard all these excuses over the years. Well, that's what I'm comfortable. I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not, you know, God is not concerned with your comfort. Oh, no, really? Yeah. He's concerned with your obedience. He will always call you places you're not comfortable. Forward is never comfortable, especially for a lot of people. Because <laughs> it's uncertain. It's, un, it's unsure. It's like, I don't know. I don't do it. It's going to be scary. It's going to take a risk. It's gonna, yeah. Welcome to life in Christ. But a lot of people are bored in their Christianity because they've plateaued and they're floating and they're like, oh, we're not really, you know, doing much. Because it could be you're not looking forward. God is calling us forward, my friends. Not listening to our flesh. And Abraham left the comfort and the familiarity of his own home to launch out into the unknown. To follow and believe God, my friend, means leaving man's way of doing stuff behind and choosing God's way. Faith in God says, I look forward to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. Even when it looks scary. Even it looks uncertain. It, it, people say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to be alone, or I'm gonna afraid I'll mess up, or I'm, a, I'm afraid I won't do it. No, no. You see, as long as we have those fears, we'll never go forward with the right thing. Even when the world criticizes you, and they will. Even re when religious people criticize you, and they sure will. Some of the biggest enemies against you moving forward in Jesus Christ and becoming everything God has you to be are people who claim to know Christ. 
religious people. I'm, I didn't say they knew him, but they claim to. They're church folk. They'll be the ones that want to snipe you. They're one of the ones that try to, you know, lock you down from, from taking that step of faith and, and say, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to live that way anymore. Oh, come on, you're holier than thou all of a sudden. Anyone ever heard that? Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> Especially thou. <laughs> I'm way more holier than thou. My point is don't let people shoot you down from pushing forward in Jesus Christ. Don't let ridiculous statements like that or any other keep you from moving forward in Jesus Christ. So if they're going to say something ridiculous, I just respond with ridiculous like that. <laughs> it may be truer than you think, too. Because looking back, looking backward in the biblical spiritual sense, right? Can you kind of think of some people who looked back in the Bible? Lot's wife. I heard someone say, yeah, exactly. Lot's wife is an interesting case. The Bible says, obviously, that, that, that Sodom had become so perverse and, and, and so, like, crazy that God sent judgment. And you, know, you remember the story? Abraham's tied into that story, too. I won't take time to go into it. But as, as they were being led out of the city, and finally, at one point, the angel had to take, a couple angels had to take them by the hand and lead them out of it. Now, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's a mix of the hated leaving home, the familiarity. They, they weren't sure, didn't want to leave it behind. But I'd also like to think, you know, darkness has a, a spiritual aspect to it, obviously. And sometimes I think it can have a grip on our hearts and souls more than we think. The angel took them by the hand and led them out of the city. It's time. No, it's really time. We're going. No, no. We're going now. And the Bible says when they cleared the area, they'd gotten a certain distance. Lot's wife looked back. And remember, she was turned into a pillar of salt. And it's maddening because no further explanation <laughs> is given. That's why I like details. Details! But none is given. So you look at that and you say, now, was there a secret longing to go back? You know, was, was there doubt in her heart about God? I'm not sure exactly. We can speculate. Peter describes those who look back as the dog returning to its vomit. You can look that up in his epistle. And that is extremely tragic when someone gives up on believing God and they prefer the garbage that they've been set free from. And I want to tell you, that is why we must always look forward because, you see, it's always easy to, if you ponder, it's always easy to go back because we read that in the passage. Remember, I think I said underline it. If he would have wanted to go back, he would have had opportunity to do so. You see, if you want to go back to faithless, if you want to go back to where you were before, if you want to go back to the bondage you were in, there'll be a way. Oh, the, the devil will make sure that you have a, a big, brightly lit runway. There it is. Right? Go right back. And you'll have a couple of the fake friends that you used to have. They'll welcome you. Oh, we're so glad you're back. As they're snapping the chains around your ankles and your hands. See, that's why we have to, in our hearts, resolve that we are going to go all in in faith with Jesus Christ. What's that old song? To get all the, the every shadow of turning out of me. Yeah? Every, every, every possible imposter inside of me. We've talked about this before, about knocking the imposter out of me. You see, all of us have this imposter that lives inside of us, and we need to knock that sucker out. 
our flesh kind of heads the headline character of that is the imposter that wants to rise up and take control in our life. But as people that are going all in and believing loyalty to God, we put the flesh under. And we got to look forward in Christ. We've left things behind for a reason. Don't go back to the vomit. Because you see, God can't bless who we pretend to be. He wants to bless the you he's called you to be. Knock the imposter out. Let's go deep because God is calling us deep. He's calling us forward, just like Abraham. He was calling him out of the old land into the new. This is what faith is. In believing loyalty, I will look forward. Because I want to tell you this, and I heard a, a, one of my college professors preach this message one time when I was, whew, I was probably 18, 19, 20 years old. And I've remembered that sermon these last 63 years. Okay. No, I know, I'm not that old. Just wanted to see if you were listening. Some of you still aren't laughing, and that really <laughs> concerns me. <laughs> but she said, there can't be any plan B in your life if you're going to follow God. Because if you have a plan B, you will go to it. Not if, you will. You will. That's why when you come to Christ, it, th there is no... Where's my escape hatch? If this doesn't work out, it, 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 get ready. You can't have a plan B. Now, this apply. I'm not talking just people have a call on your life. It certainly applies there, too. I, I use the Bible college context. But just for people serving the Lord. Because, see, I see this more than anything. People that start, they encounter God, and it seems like then all of a sudden they're not even living for God in a few years. What happened? Well, somewhere there was a plan B. Somewhere they believed a lie that the world's plan was better than the plan that God was offering. See, somewhere there's something went wrong where someone said, you know what, there's a plan B. I I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to go to the default of what culture does, right? Culture does this, and voila, I'm living just like culture. But God is calling us forward, my friends. That's why I say no matter what it costs you, it is worth it. Stick with Jesus, period. Stick with plan A, period. No matter what friends leave you, no matter what people call you, it is worth it. No matter who gets mad at you, it's worth it. No matter who throws rocks at you, it's worth it. No matter who unfriends you on Facebook, it's worth it. No matter who calls you names, it's worth it. No matter who complains about the boss, it's worth it. It's worth it worth it faith means we're going to look forward not backwards you see you don't have to be morally perfect and we already all checked that box but as long as we got that believing loyalty though he slay me job remember what Joe said job said though he slay me i'm going to serve him where's that in the church today Though I get nothing I pray for, still I will serve him. God in heaven, we could have a move of revival if, if, if people would just take, grab a hold of that. I'm going to go all in with God no matter what it costs me. Whew. Look at your neighbor right now and punch him in the, or just touch him, don't punch him. Touch him. No, please don't punch. Say, I'm moving forward. Look at him, tell him. Someone go out of here and say, he told me to punch my neighbor. No. 
Please under context, right? <laughs> Tap them. <laughs> Tell them again, I'm moving forward. Well, that sounded convincing. Say, I'm moving forward. All right. Now, to get to the full meaning of this passage again, it helps to go back to Genesis to the story of Abraham and Sarah because this is who he's talking about right here in the middle of chapter 11. In making a promise to them, God did something very interesting. Did anyone remember what happened to Abraham and Sarah in the middle of this? Maybe it would help you if I gave you their old names. Abram and Sarai. That's what they were called the first 80, 90 years of their life. We see in the middle of this, something very interesting happens. <laughs> he changed their names. Stick with me here. God gave them a promise and then to help them see it, to help them see what was coming, to help them see where they would be, he gave them a new name. And it's pretty cool because their names, the new name kind of means the same as the old name. But there's a different inflection on it that maybe we don't get necessarily in English when we see it. But we know Abraham means father of nations. That's kind of funny for a man who couldn't even be a father of one. Sarah means princess, because from her, there was going to come princes and kings. Kind of hard to do that when you don't have child number one. <laughs> but God said, I'm going to change your name. This is your new name. Sarah, I hear you laughing. I'm not laughing. Yes, you are, Sarah. Abraham fell on his face. Sarah gets the bad rap for laughing. The Bible says Abraham fell on his face laughing. Abraham, you're going to have a son. <laughs> what the Bible says, read it. I'm just acting it out for you. And the Lord heard that. Sarah, <laughs> why are you laughing in there in the tent? She sobered up. I'm not laughing. Yeah, you were, Sarah. But it's okay. Because I see what's inside of you. You're not going to give up believing what I've said is true. For now on, Abram, you're going to be Abraham, father of a multitude. Sarai, you're going to be Sarah now, a noble woman, a princess. And now when you say your name, it's going to point to something that God was giving them to remind them not only of what he said, but a reminder of how he now saw them and what God intended to do with them in the future. What is something that God does today when we get saved? What does he do? He gives us a new name, doesn't he? Remember, there was, used to be an old hymn that said, there's a new name written down in glory. In the book of Revelation, it says, to he who overcomes, I will give him a name, only no, I will give him basically a new name. There's something about when God shows up and speaks destiny over our life and transforms us, right, and pulls us out of sin and pulls us out of slavery and pulls us out of doubt and pulls us out of all the junk. We get a, a new name. That doesn't mean we go out and change our name, right? I've been Eric all of my life, but I'm not the same Eric I was. I have known people, in fact, I, I saw this happen in the 90s. They got so radically saved and so radically encountered the power of the Holy Spirit that they did change their name. 
or they start going by their middle name because their middle name was more uh, pointed to more who they were than their first name. And their first name reminded them how they used to be. And now they're, they're going forward. And I've just seen that. But the reality is the Lord, when he makes something new, it says in Revelation again that he makes all things new. This is what I want you to see because this is important in understanding faith. Faith means seeing things the way God sees them. Faith means seeing yourself the way God sees you. Are you hearing me this morning? Faith means seeing yourself the way God. See, this is where a lot of us struggle. We understand. We can all nod. I, I saw some of you kind of glazing over when I was talking about that a minute ago, the new name. Like, oh, we but see, we glaze over that. But we, the, it comes, when, when the rubber comes time to meet the road, we really sometimes forget that it is important that we see ourselves the way God sees us. And if it doesn't line up, if what I'm hearing about myself and thinking of myself, it, if it doesn't line up with who God says I am, then it's a lie. You see, God called Abraham a father of nations when he was just a father of nobody. Sarah had her name changed to Sarah. Sarai changed to Sarah because kings would come from her line when she had no children whatsoever. But God saw things as they were and as they would happen. And he named them accordingly. We tend to get stuck on our own naming ourselves after our failures and disappointments, don't we? Yes, we do. We do this to people in the Bible. You've heard me widely pan how we call him Doubting Thomas when he was one of the bravest disciples. It's ridiculous he would be called Doubting Thomas. He was the one when Jesus was marching right into the teeth of the enemy there uh, to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's like, well, if Jesus is going to go and face that and, and possibly die, then I want you to know I'll go with him and die with him. That was Thomas. How about blind Bartimaeus, right? Why do we call him blind? He got healed. Then there's the woman taken in adultery. Oh, you mean the woman that Jesus forgave for adultery? You see, I'm not, I'm not sure why we do this, but we seem to like to identify people by their failures instead of naming them for how God sees them. And the reality is, even though we don't like to do that as much to ourselves, right, because we have the halo effect going on with when we deal with ourselves, but the reality is, secretly, we have a hard time seeing ourselves for how God sees us. You say, well, what difference does that make? You ever heard of King Saul? Here's something really interesting in the Bible about Saul. This is what the Bible says about Saul when he be, before he became king. He was choice. In other words, he was just like creme de la creme. It said he was taller than his brethren. He was like a head above everyone else. It said that he was handsome, right? That's not a bad trait, right? We'll take that. That's what the Bible says. And it says he was the son of a mighty man. This is what the Bible said about Saul. But what do we see, Saul? On the day he was to be anointed king, where was he? He was hiding. What did Saul say about himself? Oh, I'm a nobody. I'm the least of the tribe of Benjamin. See, I'm starting wondering, is there a correlation between that? Because, you see, if you can't believe who God says you are, 
Because, you see, religion will try to slide in that fake modesty, right? Religion will try to, look to me, look to God, you know, all that stuff. We understand what that means. We've seen a lot of fake modesty. Here's the problem. The first time it came time for King Saul to do something that mattered, they had a victory. They were in war, and and they were waiting, and and the prophet Samuel said, do not sacrifice till I get there. It's going to take a few days, but, but King Saul, please, don't sacrifice until I get there. What did Saul do? Buddy, here let's go ahead and just give me let's just sacrifice something it doesn't matter his whole kingship was identified by that i'm wondering today does it go back to the fact that he really couldn't believe he was who god said and who the bible says he was a choice leader son of a mighty man he was the guy saying, oh, I'm the least of mine. I'm just the least. I'm just a little, a little bump in the tribe of Benjamin. But the problem is, when it came time to do things for the Lord, he treated them like they didn't matter. Oh, it's just a little thing. It's not that no one's going to notice. It'll be okay. It's just, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And all his life, King Saul did that. I'm wondering this morning, did it go back to the fact that he could not believe who God said he was? Because he was the he was going to be a deliverer. He was going to lay the pain on the Amalekites who had done all kinds of terrible things to the Israelites. He was the man called. He was going to do the job. But he didn't believe who he was really called to be. And as a result... Nothing else seemed to matter to him either. Are you tracking with? Does that make sense? Remember when Samuel got to Saul? He said, you know, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better to believe God when he says you're forgiven, when he says you're free, when he says you're redeemed, when he says you're a child of the king, when he says you're royalty, when he says you're a royal nation, a peculiar priesthood, we believe him. We don't doubt him. A child of God, a woman of God. I'm convinced some of us need to walk around and call ourselves that. Because we, we'd feel funny, right? Oh, I'm, not, I'm not really a woman of God. I'm not really a man of God. You know, I try. No, no, no. I think we need to be get identifying ourselves. In the New Testament, what are we called over and over and over by New Testament writers? Saints. 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 Oh, I'm no saint. No. Maybe it's time to start seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Because I want to tell you this morning, it directly affects your faith. It will directly affect what you're accompli- called to accomplish in this generation. It will directly affect what God, the assignments that God has given you. You'll never fulfill them if you don't see yourself the way God sees you. It will never happen. You see, when you continue to dwell on past failures... When you continue to see yourself in the old way, you're saying something incredibly horrific. You're saying that the blood of Jesus shed for my sin wasn't powerful enough. 
You see, Abraham and Sarah, they never went back to their old names. And even though it took a while to have that promise come to pass, and even though they, they kind of diverged a couple times with some stuff that they shouldn't have done, they never gave up believing God. They never traded their new name for their old name. They never went back because we see Abraham and Sarah laughing at the prospect of having a baby at their age. And we, we see them do some other you know head-shaking stuff. But you know what they never did? They never changed their name back. Why? Because in spite of all the other issues, they continue to have a believing loyalty in God. God is who he says he is. They saw themselves the way God saw them. Perhaps this is why we are frequently urged in the New Testament but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Don't get drawn into how the world thinks. Let the power of God transform you daily and renew your thinking. Don't let past defeats define you any longer. Don't let past failures define you any longer. If you have got that under the blood of Jesus, then you are cleansed, you are forgiven, and you have been made new. For God's sake, let's live like it. Make sure that you're not the weapon formed against your own self that is keeping you from prospering. How often do we pray that? Lord, no weapon formed against them prosper. Well, to quote the guy from American history, we've met the enemy and he is us. Don't become your own worst enemy. Don't become the reason why you're not prospering. Because you fail to see yourself and identify yourself the way God identifies you. Don't let what other people think paralyze you. Some of us are bound by what other people have said. We're bound by what other people have called us. Listen, I got a word from the Lord for you today. Who cares what they think? Who cares what they think? If God is pleased, stop worrying about who isn't. Are you tracking with me today? If God is pleased, stop worrying about who isn't. Who cares what they think? Abraham and Sarah, could a lot of people, I'm sure they weren't pleased. We're not pleased with Abraham and Sarah. We don't care for how they did their business with, you know, Ishmael, Hagar. If God's pleased, it doesn't matter who is not. Because my loyalty is with the Lord God Almighty. And I'm going to just go ahead and believe what he says about me. And I'll believe who he says I am. And I want to tell you, Jesus revealed himself as the only way. Therefore, my friends, there is only one way to go in with somebody who is the one way. And that is all in. That's why there's no half salvations. There's no half in. There's not I sort of believe. I, no, no. If you're coming to Christ, if you're going to be in Christ, you've got to push all of the chips to the center of the table. All of them. Because that's what you would expect for someone who's revealed himself as the only way to God. If he's the only way, that means we have to go all in with that only way. And I want to tell you, it makes a big difference in your assignment. It makes a big difference in doing what God's called you to do. If you can wake up every morning and say, you know what, we're looking forward. We're not going backwards. And, and also, we're going to see ourselves. We're going to identify ourselves the way God sees us. And we're going to see things the way God sees them. And I'm, I'm going to stop looking at myself the way the world sees me or someone else. Or people try to identify me by my past failures. No longer. The Lord sees me as an overcomer. 
The Lord sees me as victorious. That's how we got to see. See, this is an aspect of faith that we got to understand. If we want faith to move mountains, if we want a faith to reach a city, if we want faith to reach our family, we're going to have to live like it. That's why the writer of Hebrews said we have this confident hope. His name is Jesus. And if we will have faith in him, even if we really mess things up in the past, guess what? That doesn't matter. What are we doing today? What are we doing with our nows? What are we going to do with our tomorrows? I'd like you to stand with me right now. Lift your hands to the Lord. I want us just to give a full surrender to God right now all across this place. Lord Jesus, we just pledge our hearts right now, Father God, to move forward in you. Lord Jesus, we just pledge ourselves right now to see ourselves, Lord, the way you see us. God, we pledge ourselves right now to live that life of faith that we can make a difference, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you've been looking to your past, if you've been dwelling on failures, if you've been dwelling, it's time to give that to Jesus right now. Come on, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we just surrender to you fully right now in Jesus' name. God, we commit ourselves to be forward-facing in this kingdom, to be forward-facing, God. God, we're not going to listen to the lies of the devil. Any area in my life that is not glistening with hope is under the influence of a demonic lie. Think of that. Any area of your life that is not glistening with hope it's under the area of a demonic lie. Why do you say that? Because of how God sees you. If God is seeing you as redeemed, transformed, made new, that means you have a whole lot of hope all over you, friends. You got a whole lot of reason to rejoice. You got a whole lot of reason to look forward. Now, see, any area of your life where there's angst, there's fear, it's not hopeful, it's not, it, it, then you're believing a lie of the devil. I'm just trying to expose the lies right now. I, I want you guys to be free. I want you, uh, everyone in this place under the sound of my voice, I want you to be just a powerful man and woman of God that he's called you to be. Because see, at the end of the day, I have one job, and that's to make disciples. And this is my small contribution to the whole process. We have a lot of ways we do that here. This is one of the small ways I contribute right here is just to help you see in the Word of God what He is saying and to grab that and let faith just rise inside of you. Because, come on, we're, thank God, like I said, I, my name's still Eric, but I'm not the Eric I was even five years ago. I'm not the Eric I was four years ago. I'm not the Eric I was 30 years ago. Come on, because God has made me new. He's made us new. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we bless you. I'm going to ask some of you just take a bold step today. If you're here and you say, Pastor Eric, I, I am not all in. I, I, have, I have not been. Maybe I was all in with God at one time, but I have not been all in with God. But today, I want to go all in with Jesus. I want to make full surrender to the King once and for all. I want to declare my believing loyalty to Jesus Christ today. Come on. I don't want to just say a prayer. I'm not here just to, you know, do, do, do my little deed or whatever, my, you know, check my box. 
I want to move into believing loyalty with the God who created me. And today I want to make a statement to him. And I want to make that statement in front of a company of people that will just cheer me on. Got everyone here behind me today. Everyone here rooting for your best. If you believe anything different than that, again, that's an area that's under the influence of a lie. Everyone in this room is rooting for your absolute best in, in Jesus' name. Having said that, if you're here in this place and you say, I need to go all in with Jesus. I need to fully surrender my life to God. I want to declare my believing loyalty to God. I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come stand across this front. There's going to be several people, several deacons, elders are going to greet you up here. They're going to pray with you today. We're going to agree together. But you're here and you say, you know, today I want to declare my believing loyalty to Jesus Christ. I want to go all in with God. Come, come, come right now. Right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. Give the Lord a big hand. Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Come on, church, help me pray. Help me pray right now. There's some more people here today that I feel like they need to get, get to that believing loyalty spot in the Lord. They need to go all in today. Today's a day to declare I'm all in with Jesus. This is the easiest place you'll ever declare it, friend. This is the easiest place. It's not the ending place, but it's the starting place. If you can't declare it here, you sure won't declare it anywhere else. Come on. If you're going all in with Jesus, you want a full surrender today, come forward. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Don't wait any longer. I want to declare my believing loyalty to Jesus Christ today. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on, church. Let's just pray out loud. Pray out loud. Pray out loud as we're praying. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.